Another stat, I believe it was $15 billion has been raised by companies built on Bubble. With a B? Um, with a B. Wow. That's yeah. 10x more than I thought. Welcome back to This Week and No Code. I am your co-host, JJ Engler, here with my co-host, David Pal, And we are back after one week off as we were all at BubbleCon, bringing you another episode of This Week and No Code. And of course, it's packed as always. We're going to be talking about some new AI video generation tools, such as Genmo and CapCut for ChatGPT, Canva's new magic design, Glide's new data integrations with all kinds of data sources that they're now supporting, and then we'll get into BubbleCon and we'll talk about how it was, what it meant for the community, what new features they released, what we think of those features, and then generally taking a step back for the no-code ecosystem, what this means for that ecosystem and where we think this is going to continue to go into this year and beyond. So David, welcome back and Thanks let's so get started with news of the week. Welcome, everyone. I hope you're all enjoying being back from these exciting events. I know I am. This week, we'll start with Canva's magic design. Canva released a new tool, and I have seen it everywhere in billboards, outdoor advertising, online. They're pushing this thing really hard, and, and rightfully so. They put a lot of effort in basically building a lot of AI tools directly into their workflow and workspace. The idea behind these tools, it allows you to do a lot of things that may be available to you, but in other systems, prompts to allow you to create entire works of art. So here, lots of things going on, automating as much as possible. The videos by prompt, right? You can see here what's going on on the screen. Type in a prompt, they'll generate a video for you. You can do the same thing with images. When you're trying to find content to fill in your designs, you can start uh, by just typing a prompt. What we see here on this magic switch is, I think, one of the more amazing things yeah. that this will do. Really, one of the things that I'm more excited about this is if you want to take a presentation and turn it into a memo, it will do that, or vice versa. Right? If you have a a presentation that you've given for a stakeholder that's going to read versus a presentation that you're going to give in front of a room, uh, you just hit a button and it switches things back and forth. Now, some of these other imaging editing tools that you're watching right now on the screen, Magic Expand, right? Out painting or editing things or removing backgrounds. These are AI tools that are really powerful, but something that you can use in other systems. What I think Canva has done a great job of doing now is actually integrating it directly into your workflow. So instead of exporting images, pulling them into a new system, a new subscription, new revenue, uh, you can now integrate it into your Canva workflow direct. A lot of these features, as I was playing with them, you can tell where they've built things for marketing. Like one of the yeah. examples they gave is build me an Instagram post for a business. Yeah. Well. You can't really just do any prompt you want to start. You know, I come from the outdoor advertising world. I was asking questions, design me a billboard for a coffee shop. And it really didn't do such a great job. 
So there are certain things it does well that it's been really built for and other things that it may need a little bit of extra help with. That being said, I think, and I've been, you know, I talk about AI tools a lot. The AI itself is not the power. It's how you integrate it into someone's workflow and using Canva, they've been able to do that really efficiently. I'm excited to see what happens in V2. This This is just the start. I love what they've done. They've integrated a lot. Like there's a lot of ways that you can use AI and it's getting to the point where like, if you have someone in your team that actually knows Canva very, very well, the productivity increase that you'll get is probably like 20 to 30%, right? And so whenever a SaaS tool can help your team be more productive at that level, like there's serious value there and they charge very little money for the value that they provide. And if they can have your whole marketing ops, you know, all those kinds of teams in there, creating designs, having a, a central brand voice, translating presentations, creating presentations, creating, you know, one piece of doc that then auto creates into many different types of that one doc, like yeah. you're saving tons of time across the board. And so training people on your team to be knowledgeable in Canva seems like a skill that a lot of people need right now because it yeah. is such a great tool. And they're, they're starting to lean more into competing with the Adobe's of the world. Right. And so, yeah, you know, we want to make it easier for anyone to be able to build anything they need for their business. It eliminates, you know, experts that are needed to do certain things. Mm-hmm. So you can do it really, really simply. Of course, most of the really cool features are hidden behind a paywall. And so you can't really just go and try and use it. But that paywall isn't too steep. I think it's like yeah. 10 to 20 bucks a person, you know. Right. It's pretty accessible. For the most part, it's democratizing the design the way no code is democratizing development, which is incorporating more citizen developers, citizen designers that get in there from all walks of life and to make it happen. Actually, one of the things that I'd be curious to see how this goes, they are pitching the idea that you can prompt website design. Mm -hmm. So you can pitch, hey, design me a website. It would be interesting to see how you prompt it get a website design, drop that image into chat GPT and say, Hey, can you write me the code for this website? <laughs> right. Yeah. See how all these, these things fit together. It will be a really interesting process. And, you know, we'll talk about bubble down in a little bit and bubble AI stuff, but it will be interesting to see if, if that kind of partnership can, can work. Speaking of that kind of partnership, we have a new partnership with chat GPT. Let me share my screen here. I came across this today and it, it was, you know, ChatGPT just never ceases to amaze you. And so if you can go in and get a plugin called CapCut, you get the CapCut plugin here, right? And then you'll give it a one-liner in the sense of create a video to advertise our podcast of a two-person show that features technologies, latest news, something like that, right? And what it's going to do for you is it's going to generate a script. And based on that script, it will actually allow you to put it together in CapCut, which is a video editor. So it's asking me what size of a video do I want? I'm going to respond 16 by 9. And then it's going to do that. Now it's actually creating the video for me. And then once this is done, it maybe takes like 30 seconds to 60 seconds. Once this is done, you can now open up in CapCut, which is what it just gave me, which is what I'm going to do now. And it's now going to load this video for me. Here we are. So this is the video it just generated for us. So the, they're using photos. So that's not great. Mm-hmm. You would love to yeah, see better. Like, <laughs> what's up? 
some clip art. Yeah, some clip art. It, that's not great. What they have here that's decent is the voiceover with your own mm. script that you generated and the captions are already made for you. And then they added cuts and music in the background. And then you can go in and change any of this stuff as well in CapCut. Mm. I think this is just the beginning of what we're going to see. Like video continues to be one of the main mediums that is highly powerful, right? And ChatGPT doing plugins like this, other integrations for prompt to video is just the beginning. And I think it's going to unlock a lot once we get there. And I'm really excited for that. Like video creation is hard. Not a lot of people can do it well. Yeah. And this would also democratize that in a way. Yeah, I think these prompt video is really interesting. In, in the video space, as, a com as compared to like the image space, there are so many extra layers of detail you need to provide. Yeah. Right. And it, it really will eventually come down to prompting. Yeah. Right? How good of a prompt can you write? We saw this a couple of weeks ago when I think we were trying to use Framer AI, right? Where you had 200 characters to describe a website. Yeah. Right? That's just not enough. Right. And so as these prompts get bigger, as it's easier to write, you know, what you're looking for and have these like half prompts already baked in, just fill in the blanks, like mad libs of prompting. It might be a little bit easier to, to handle, but otherwise it's still, it feels like a cute widget more than a, I'm going to rely on this for my business. I think especially that integration, if we could look at Genmo here, this is a different type of tool to generate video from a prompt. This takes more of like a 3D asset approach and you can see the quality is much better. They just spit out like three to four second videos. And then you can export each of these and kind of clip them together yourself. So it's yeah. a little bit more laborious, but it does allow you to generate like this type of video on demand like that. And the quality is seemingly pretty cool. You can see here that I wrote this prompt, two guys recording a podcast together. And it looks and just it's, like us. It looks just like us, David. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's some cool stuff here. And, you know, you can download, you could share, you can add a lot of stuff to it. You can bring in your own assets and do other things like that from there. I think generally this space is growing quickly and we have yet to see like a thing that really dominated, but there's going to be a lot of players going into a prompt to video creation. And once someone gets it, if it's not Canva itself, they're going to do a really good job with it. Yeah, I think, again, it's all going to come down to workflow. Like, I don't think any one person can really do such a great job on everything, right? Yeah. You can see Genma is trying to be like game design and video, I think yeah. there was just like, a, those are two different use cases and really understanding how game design works. It makes more sense, right? Like think about like, oh, I want a character for a game. Well, I get a prompt, but I also need the character running and swinging and jumping and dying and getting great with the, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so like learning how those those pieces fit together into, you know, a Unity game developer's experience is way more powerful than just, hey, make a, you know, AI little character. Yeah. Um, as the technology develops, we're going to see lots of people developing their own models of things like these a these 3D models and generators. Right now, I'm sure they're borrowing lots of technology. Mm -hmm. uh, and as they have more time in market, they'll be able to build their own unique. 
perspective on things. Yeah. I love the trend. I love where it's going. Uh, there's a lot of players get into the space really quickly. Soon enough, we'll be able to text to prompt nearly anything. It's just a matter of time. All right. Should we move on to the Glide data discussion? Let's do it. Glide uh, has come out with an announcement that they are expanding uh, their data sources. We talked about Glide before. Glide used to be a Google Sheet wrapper, I guess. That's the cool term now. Glide came with a way to build apps on top of spreadsheets, right? Everything was spreadsheet-based. They then expanded as we played with it. We saw they have internal databases now, and they've come out now expanding that data source set to many, many more, lots of SQL, Postgres, and other integrations like BigQuery, Airtable, Microsoft SQL Server, Google Cloud, and even big tables, right? Huge scale databases are now accessible with your Glide application, just making it so much easier to build applications, probably internal applications still as their focus, but based on real enterprise data and not needing to sync things preferentially with a Google Sheet, not needing to worry about securing Google separately from production data, if that's what you're working on but really expanding that opportunity, which is, which is really great. Again, making it easier for businesses to build internal applications, to save time and alleviate developer workload. I got two things on Glide. First off, when we brought on Kelly last episode, she said that the No-Code Summit's app was built on Glide. I talked to the founders of the No-Code Summit and they said it was not built on Glide. Oh, it really? Was custom code but it looked like it might've been wrapped on Glide to get into the mobile store. So I think maybe that's where it was. So we're gonna let Glide off the hook here. I don't think it was their fault for a shoddy app at all from what I found from the notebook. No, it wasn't Summit. Glide's fault. It was just the founder's fault. <laughs> it was a custom-coded application. Wow. Um, and so there that is. With that yeah, being that said- that took some guts to admit yeah. that it wasn't that. Yeah. With that being said, Glide's approach to this market is really, really interesting. It almost seems like their approach is the opposite of Bubble's approach. So let me explain. Glide started with a very, very basic consumer-friendly app, like you said, a Google Sheets wrapper, right? And that is really good because the barrier to entry is really low, right? And so they got a lot of people in the door, and they provide a really easy way to get up and running very fast, which is, in today's day of age, paramount, right? But now with these integrations, they're actually showing that there's some real meat and power under the hood here. And so it's like, okay, we're allowing you to get up and running really fast in a native mobile and or web app, right? It's both, right? I know it's native mobile. Flutterflow is the both. Glide is still mostly mobile, I think. Okay, let's check on that if you don't mind. But the, the point of this is saying, they started with a really easy way to get up and running. And now they're allowing you to add an engine, a real engine under that, and then take it as far as you need, which is really exciting. And I, I feel like they're playing nice along the way. Playing nice meaning they're allowing you to connect to all these different things, right? They're opening right. the ecosystem. It's, they're giving you the control. So ease to get started is there. Power is seemingly maybe there now. And the flexibility is there, which is really exciting. Almost seems like a Samsung thing of like Android, we're open, you know, we can all work together here, create yeah. good performance, right? 
And then let's think about Bubble uh, on the other side of this, which is Bubble started really high end, right? They were huge learning curve, but the power is already there with built-in database all along the way. They're not really playing nice in the sense that you can connect to any other API, but they're never going to export their code. They're never going to have native integrations into other databases like Glide is doing now, right? So that's more of maybe like the Apple-esque of like, we're just going to build our own product yeah. that is native and owners, all of our IP stays on us. And we're just going to make it so good that you never have to do anything else, right? And now Bubble is trying to get to that point where the barrier to entry is really low. And so the, it feels like they're starting on each side of the spectrum and they're kind of now kind of bring like coming together into the middle, which is interesting. But Bubble has the funding. They have the team. They have the customers. Glide is quickly getting there, but they're not there yet. What do, you, what do you think about all this? I think what you're saying is exactly right. I'll say I did check. They do work desktop, tablet, mobile. Okay. The whole, thing, the whole suite. I think, you know, they're trying to be, they're drawing the map of like where they'll live. Yeah. They are trying to get more non-technical people, lower barrier to entry, like you're saying. I'm curious how many people are actually using it for all of these things, or if this is like, you know, they're trying to skate to where the puck is or it's or the, yeah. where the puck is going instead of what they actually need right now. I think everyone's moving upstream into enterprises. You have to. That's what the business model. You, no yeah. one's making money on small businesses. So they're, they're heading that way. Makes sense. Yeah. I When we talked to Glide, I think they had what, around 300. Was it 300,000? Were they in there? Like 40,000. 40,000? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's a bit lower than that. But yeah, it's interesting to see this. I love that they're opening it up like this. They're democratizing a lot of this. They're probably looking at enterprises that have an old database that they want to throw a wrapper on to like visualize this data, right? Which is really friendly for SMBs or just in the enterprise space generally. So I'm excited about it. I would love to see, I, I'm looking at these data sources and I was hoping there would be something a bit more flexible than just the the database because this could be a really cool partnership with bubble to build the admin side of the apps i think about all those admin pages we'll build with a studio that are basically tables and views and, and minor edits mm -hmm. right but if we could plug into the bubble database through glide then we just have one general admin app that now is mobile friendly, that runs for everything that a customer can just kind of have right out of the box. Yeah, they're getting there. They're, they were once the, like the consumer option and now they're, they're getting some power under that hood and, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. Without any further ado, I think we should get into BubbleCon. That's, that's what we want to really feature for this episode, right? Last episode, we talked a, a bit about it with Kelly Claus, how we thought this was a really big time for Bubble, right? 10 yep. years, 11 years in the making, they haven't ever had a community event like this. And because of the no-code market and where it's going, a lot of these newer players are moving really quickly uh, and they're doing really well. A lot of them already have AI, a lot of them are already native mobile, all this kind of stuff, right? And so I was looking towards Bubble and many other professionals for this BubbleCon event to say, do you have our confidence or not? And honestly, I think they did a fantastic job uh, across the board. We got to meet their team in a very interpersonal, like, you know, curtains down way that was yeah. really refreshing, overdue, really refreshing. Yeah. 
when you when we walked into the event for the first time, it was almost like a family reunion in many ways of yeah, just man. people meeting for the first time yeah. that have never really met in real life coming together. Right. There ended up being 10,000 attendees, virtual and in person. I think there was about 300 in person. But cumulatively, there was about more than 300 countries represented. And they had some really impressive stats of like for those 10,000 attendees, how many workflows they've built, how many, right. you know, right. uh, users they have, pages, pages, which was millions yeah. and millions, right? Of total users that all these apps have. So it's really cool that they're able to even get that data based on a subset of the users of that data. So that was kind of cool. I, I, it's cool that they have the data. I find it kind of like the 3 million user number. Yeah. Like, yeah. If they look at all the pages, think about how many test pages and, you know, 404 pages and reset password pages are counted in there. And I'm like, yeah. Eh. Yeah, but <laughs> they did give us some good numbers in the sense of like they said that for the apps that got to 100,000 users, on average, those apps took six months to get there. So that was quite impressive. Knowing that, you know, that was one app. Uh, another stat that they was, said was, was, that, was that six months from first, first like launch of the app or launch, like start building the app? I think it's the first deployment. I would, I would assume the first deployment. Another stat, I believe it was $15 billion has been raised by companies built on Bubble. With a B. Um, with a B. Wow. That's yeah. 10X more than I thought. Yeah. At least. I'm sure there's like three or four just people like really carrying that. But I think it, it, it go, does go to show like that they have really big customers that they can't really say who it is that we don't know of. Like sure. really raising a lot of money with it. Generally, the stats that they showed across the board were really impressive. Uh, we, the first day was a, a day of presentations from what they called their Immerse program, right? And quite frankly, that fell a little flat. The program itself is a really like great program. Like love that, but at least in the sense of everyone arrived for the first time, we heard Josh Emanuel talk for like five minutes. And then there were really long presentations of like beginner bubblers, like building an app for the first time. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where you disconnected because like, at least in the room, there were 300 yeah. like pro bubble devs. Like right. we wanted to be inspired by like the best of the best. And it was, it was beginner bubblers just starting out in this program. So the program itself is an excellent program. Love that they're doing it. The placement of such in the program scheduling, I think was off. I think everyone kind of realized that and next year it, it will, you know, be better, but the the day after we had, I think it was an hour long presentation from Josh and Emmanuel. And that was like worth every freaking thing. Uh, right. That's like that, thing. Was, that was the whole thing. <laughs> right? was there. Yeah. yeah. And during that, they talked about a lot of things. They talked about bubble AI, right? What that means, what that will include. So they discussed that it will be a full stack integration in the sense of workflows, pages, database, design, all that will be integrated. I spoke to Josh directly about this. I was like, hey, Josh, I know you guys have a lot of tech debt. Is AI going to get in the way or is are you guys slow to introduce AI because of your tech debt? And he was like, you know, our tech debt is a problematic in many ways, but AI is not actually one of them. Because of how all of our apps is in a JSON anyways, it actually makes it really easy to work with AI. And we actually already do a really good job at taking that JSON response and putting it into our application with our secret sauce. 
So it's not actually a problem at all and something actually we're really well positioned for. But I, I think they're, they're taking a very thoughtful and sensible approach to this in the sense of they discuss a lot about how they're training their data and if they're going to be training it with any user applications and the ethnical things of all of this. And they said yeah. at the moment, they're not training on any user applications. If they ever get to that point, they will allow users to kind of opt out to that. But they've already gotten really far without any of that today. Uh, and they're really imp impressed with what they can do so far. And, and I, I think bubble AI is the thing that for pros like us, we will use it and it will kind of be like more of like a auto next step thing, right? And it will help us maybe even like a, a quick template for an admin page. Like it's going to help us maybe like 10%. But for beginners, I really seen it help a lot more and maybe even lowering that learning curve from like three months down to like maybe two Bro, weeks potentially. I don't know about, I, I think I may have a, the opposite take on really? this. I think like every time I've heard a beginner try to use a template, yeah, they are way more confused than if they had just tried to start build something. Because they see a bunch of probably advanced techniques yeah. that they have never seen the basic version of and can't follow what's happening. Right. Like mm -hmm. imagine, like even for us as advanced bubblers, it's hard to hop into someone else's app and see what yeah. they've done. And so maybe in the bubble world, like bubble as an AI output could be more helpful. And it might be really interesting to see how bubble thinks apps should be built. Right. Cause we always ask like, what's the best practice? And they're like, just do it. You're like, thanks. That's not helpful. I think the design side is helpful. We've talked about this a few times already that learning how to code and learning how to design is really a lot for people. I'm not sure AI necessarily solves that. I think some of these like frameworks, bases, frames, what's the other one? Open builds, bases, uh, atomic that, yeah. fusion, yeah. right? All, all these like may be easier to work through and maybe that's how they'll use it. Like as building these components, maybe if the AI can explain what's going on, Right, like turn a workflow step and conditions into English. That could be pretty cool. I still think it'll be hard for people to pick up what's happening. Interesting. Yeah. And well, I hope it decreases the learning curve. I, I yeah. hope it, they, that the way that they build this is smart enough in the sense that you're prompting and it shows you what they built and maybe even why they built it. Like things like that, depending on the way they built this, I hope that it makes that learning curve easier. Uh, because if we can get that learning curve for bubble lower mixed in with the next news that we're going to share, I think the amount of users going to bubble could be significantly more. And that's something that obviously we want to see in the no code ecosystem and as bubble experts at large. Yeah. I mean, I, selfishly, I'm more interested in it be helping us as developers, advanced developers, so that we can move faster and build more in less time. It'll be interesting. I also hope they don't do kind of like what we saw with Canva just now, kind of like touching certain things, maybe not like, you know, like their image generation is like still Dolly 2 kind of quality, right? Like we don't want bad AI in there getting in our way, right? When we're trying to build in the meantime. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in for something interesting. Yeah. That was one of the headlines, and I, um, 
I think they did a like they finally put out this video for Bubble AI, which we'll show now. At Bubble, we're always working to break down the barriers between you and your next big idea. That's why we're bringing you Bubble AI. Imagine only using a few words to transform a blank canvas into a fully designed page that's clean and modern. Whether you're starting a new app or adding a page to your existing app, Bubble AI generates designs in seconds. So you can focus on building your business logic and connecting everything together. This is only the beginning. Across design, data, and logic, Bubble and AI are a natural partnership. So stay tuned for what's to come, because who knows what big idea you'll think of next. Build it with Bubble. One of the reasons why I love this video is like they actually built like a good design and a good brand. Like everything was done really well for the first time. Like they yeah. historically haven't done a great time with time with design, with their brand voice, with like that professional thing. And with this video and the next one, it was like, oh, wow, like this could be really big. Like they they brought it all together for this announcement video. And I was so excited to see that because they they've lacked these small details along the way. And so they have bubble AI they introduced. Another thing that they introduced some more on the nerdy side is a new bulk operations tab and editor to allow you to do bulk operations in a much more efficient and scalable way. So they are really doubling down on their database speed. They know this is a problem. They know what they have to do and they have the line of sight to get there. So that's something that they're working on. They want to be able to compete with no-code databases at large, things like Zeno, whatnot, right? Their vision right now is long-term. They have enough money in the bank. They don't need to raise more money. They have a 150-person team. And they know that in two, three years, they believe that what they're going to be building this next year, the year after that, is going to set them apart from everybody else in this space to make them the one main player. And they feel really good about that. And that's yeah. why they don't want to export yeah. their code. They don't want to do anything. They're just focusing on building the best technology possible. And if they come up with AI, you know, data enhancements to the point where you can actually transform data as fast as some others, or at least fast enough to like cover 98% of the use cases, yeah. right? And then provide more tools for that. That would be huge. Another thing that I spoke with one of their engineers about is getting that 99 Lighthouse score, you know, page mm -hmm. CEO, right? And they said, yeah. this, this is coming in the near future. They're not far off from it. They know what they're doing. They're working on it. This won't be a problem, right? And hopefully in the next year, we see that as well, if not the next six to three months, because if we can get back to building landing pages, blogs, everything that rank really highly with SEO, instead of having to go to Webflow and Framer and all these other things to get back there, and we yeah. can bring that front end. That'd be huge <laughs> for building apps with you know scalable SEO, fast page loadings. That would be really yeah. big. Another thing on the data side that I spoke with one of their engineers about is being able to partially fetch fields. So when you do a database mm -hmm. search, right, right now in the database search, all the fields come back, which is inefficient and leads to uh, poor security because you bring back more information than you need to and longer load times and it uh, costs more workflow units. So they're working on a feature that allow you to bring back only the fields that are required on that page to fulfill your UI and nothing more. That's great. So that's another thing that they're currently working on and it's going to be like built into the, some of the updates in the next three to six, nine months. So they they have a full stack approach to to doing this but they were very clear that hey they have we have some tech debt that 
Yeah. We need to fix. Josh already said that in his Q4 newsletter of we're focusing Q4 on tech that getting this out of the way, getting some, you know, of the foundation in place so we can start moving quicker and more reliably. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think some of these things they already kind of have done and or queued up, but they're not ready to like mix into everything, all the other efforts that they're doing with, you know, the refactor and all that kind of stuff. So we have a lot of things queued up, ready to go, but it's not ready to get out the door just yet. Yeah. And that's hard as an outsider to grasp really, right? Like we hear them saying we have things we're working on that we can't track, that we don't see, that we don't notice. So we kind of hope they're doing their jobs. Like, I mean, we know they're doing something. And they're they're Uh, quiet about it too. Yeah, they're kind of quiet. And every now and again, we know that when they refactor code, bugs start popping up. Yeah. You know, we see downtime or we'll see editor degradation or, you know, something doesn't go exactly as planned. That's how we know they're working on stuff, (laughs) unfortunately. I know one of the things that they were talking about in the past was adding better tooling to prevent that, like better test coverage. So hopefully that's part of it. But I imagine part of the tech that is getting a bunch of the code written in a way that now is compatible with the tooling. Mm -hmm. Right. And so hopefully that that works. I think it's going to be a choppy year if it takes that long to get through all this stuff, because all of the other companies without this tech debt are going to keep launching new features mm-hmm. and keep putting out more marketing and people are going to keep scratching their head and trying in the meantime, right? Yep. Because, you know, we expect things to happen, but who knows, you know, they'll put out the first version in Q3 of next year. If it doesn't work right away, we're now in 2025, right? You're going to have a whole business be born and die in the next year. So why yep. wait? Yeah. Right. Uh, and so people will still try things uh, in, in other ways. So we'll have to, I guess, wait to see yeah. how we actually turn this out. You know, I, what I think will happen, because I do, I agree to you completely. There's a lot of other great players moving very quickly right now. But from talking to their founders quite a lot this past week, what I, the feeling that I got was they're not worried about them. They, <laughs> Not in the yeah. sense that they're not good technology. They, they know that they are, but their market share is still very low. And they don't quite think of them as competitors. Who they think of as a competitor is code itself. Yeah. And code itself, market is huge, right? Yeah. So if they lose some people to some of the no-code competitors, they're okay with that. Okay with that. Right. No one likes losing sales. Right, but right, right. they're okay with that in the coming year because they believe that they're building features that are going to be able to attract people from the code world in large enough volumes that will offset anything that they lose in the short term, you know, to make up for it in the long term. And they feel really good about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's a little bit riskier, right? But, you know, like if they can deliver on this, I do think that they're very well positioned to be the tool. So full stack, right. native yeah. mobile, web, you know, push to the app stores, it's going to be a whole different. Well, that was the next feature is native mobile. Right. (laughs) Uh, That was the next big thing that they launched. And so native mobile, the way that they're going to do that is it's going to be a whole new build, right? It seems like they're just going to go react native on it and build natively. Hmm. I can't confirm the actual technology, but it's going to be a whole different editor experience. 
but it's still going to be a part of the same web app. So if you have a web app, all your workflows, all of your database, you will be able to view and update the mobile side of that in a different view, a mobile only view, right? But it would still attach to that main page or whatever. And so I don't know quite exactly how they're going to make that happen, but I know that you'll have all the native animations, like animations, there'll be some offline capabilities in a very small way, like however you can, you know, do it with normal native apps, they'll have that. And you'll also be able to view it on your phone, like native apps, you know, building like yeah. that. And again, one click to the app stores and to the web. And if I you get that going, that is huge. Yeah, I love that it's a separate editor. I know yeah. that we have slightly different opinions on building for small screens and big screens at the same time. Mobile apps are usually built differently than desktop apps, right? Yeah. It's not just like make the button wider and now it's desktop friendly. It's a whole different experience. Yeah. And so it makes total sense that they're different edits, right? I don't think there's any reason to make them that different, especially if you can use reusable elements and components between them, right? There are some things that'll be really similar. Yeah like a header or a account page or some of these things, you want just the responsive version of the desktop side. That would be really great to reuse stuff. The offline piece is also really cool. There have been tons of applications coming from the outdoor advertising world. Like we could just never do things because, you know, we didn't want to put custom code for service workers and offline stuff. Yeah, And so. Being able to do things like that is really cool. I think what we're going to see as soon as they launch this native app piece, we're going to see like hundreds of new apps being built. Everyone has these lists of ideas it that they, they couldn't build because yeah. it wasn't native. And we're going to see hundreds uh, of these apps being built right at the same time. I'm sure lots of competition for the same things will be popping. Uh, and so I'm curious to see how that shakes out. Like some frenemies will definitely be formed, but so many things, you know, the, awesome. I built an app once that was supposed to be mobile. It was like a budgeting tool and we ended up just pushing people to save it to their homepage, which was kind of cool, but you know, really wasn't the same. You know, as it was, I built a baby monitoring tool that was, you know, for a friend, but just saved to the home screen. It was never, you know, really that's cool as as powerful. And we needed offline stuff, right? And so it just like fell yeah, flat. Yeah, it, it's big for agency work too. Clients come to you and they want mobile apps, right? And it's like, well, we can't really do that. And so it's, I honestly think it's going to be huge. Like there's, I believe, around three million people using Thunkable, which is a no code like native wow. mobile solution, right? So huge there. You have 40,000 on Glide. You have almost a million on Flutter. A lot of these people are using those platforms for native mobile, right? Mm -hmm. and, if, yeah. and again, Bubble's not competing with them. They still think those numbers are small compared to React Native at large, which is yeah. true, right? And they want to get that React. If they can get 10% of React Native users coming on over, mm -hmm. that's millions more, right? That's, so I think next year, they could actually see exponential growth for the first time, or at least, you know, Again, I don't think they've really ever seen exponential growth, but they have grown quickly. Like, it seems right. like they've stalled, stalled a little bit, but I think we can get back to exponential growth next year if they execute this right, which is really exciting for people like us in the ecosystem, right? Like yeah. agencies, plugin creators, 
education creators, template creators, freelancers, businesses, like all of our technology and, and things that we're doing are going to get better overnight without mm -hmm. us actually doing anything. And I don't know this, but like, can you go to React Native and like overnight your technology gets better and better because they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on like improving it? Like, is it at that level? I think it's a bit more open source. Like yeah. there are contributions being made by thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. So things yeah. do improve and it is community driven and usually very specific improvements are made. Mm -hmm. And because it is community driven, they listen to the community more. Sure. But I still think like the other half of DevOps that we never have to deal with. Yeah. Is a huge value. Yeah. And I still don't think building is that fast. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've, I've put out the native mobile stuff on my platforms and I'm getting a lot of feedback. Like everyone's like, oh, it's just going to be another rapper. Oh, it's just going to be whatever. And like from my talks with the founders, they're not doing another rapper. Like they, they're like, we're, we're, we have been waiting to do this for a long time. It's been the number one requested feature from our users for a long time. And yeah, we haven't right. done it because the thing that we want to do, we want it to be the best, the market leading solution, right? And that's what they are planning on doing next year with this. It's not going to be a wrapper. It's not going to be some half-assed thing, right? Like they're going hard and V1 might not be as hard as they want to go, but I've spoken to the engineers leading this effort they're going to make it happen, right? Yeah. It's the same engineer yeah. that built the responsive system, that built option sets and many others. Mm -hmm. They have a big team behind it. They're up to 150 people. Like, yeah, that's a big, big team. You know, it's, it's interesting. When you think about the product that Bubble has built so far, they've been the market leader and everyone has followed them and learned from Bubble's mistakes. Yep. And now Bubble will get to learn from everyone else's mistakes. Like they can look at what works well for a flutter flow or glide right. a Funkable. Yeah. And then they'll see, oh, let's read the forum for all of the complaints and not do that. Yeah. Right. And so they have an opportunity to really just, you know, hit status quo right out of the gate instead of trying to like, you know, slice their way through the the brush of what they've been doing so far. Right? Yeah. And that would be a really great opportunity. You know, another thing that I just keep getting pushback on from the community at large is, and I didn't think so many people were still this sour on it. They're like, but the pricing, but the pricing, oh, you yeah. know, workflow units, like, can you even afford it? And I have been very surprised with the amount of ignorant takes that I have received on this of, I can't even afford it. I can't even afford to build an app. Like I, for an example, I just don't think people have seen the context of actually apps that are working on bubble and what they actually cost and bubble hasn't done a good enough job like actualizing what this actually means because you and i like we build with workflow units in mind a little bit but it's really not a thing like we build right. with just best practices because workflow units have gotten to the point where it's just fair right now there are some use cases where it's like okay that just doesn't make sense right, right like right. hit you know checking something every five seconds forever that's going to kill you right so we just don't do that thing but otherwise like it's not people are still like on that horse of like, oh, I can never go back. Oh, it was workflow units. And it's like, it's not like that anymore. You know, like yeah. I have one app that has over a thousand users. It generates more than $50,000 a year. And it costs me $32 a month to run, right? Like, yeah. it, it, I don't even think about pricing, <laughs> you know, like I'm, the thing is, it's like bubble for so long 
we're paying yeah. for apps of like a one person person building an internal app that would run millions of workflows a month just because it could bubble was paying for that yeah and they're like yo we can't pay for that anymore because that's not creating a good business for us and we need to be a good business in order to deliver yeah. a better product for you vice versa the whole you know the wheel goes round, and so that's why they did it and they could have approached pricing better they could have done it better but i think where they landed after a lot of friction was a decent result to the point where I'm not worried about it at all. I'm not thinking about it at all. And if I am at that use case of millions of things a day, maybe bubble database just might not be best for me anyways right now, not the pricing itself. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, you know, if you think about our agency clients, if they're going to spend $20,000 on an app that would have cost, let's say, $100,000, and it, the app lives for five years, let's just say, or maybe even 10, right? It's $8,000 a year in savings. All right, so 800 bucks, 900 bucks a month that they could spend on Bubble itself and still make out parties. better <laughs> than if they had just built it with code, right? Yeah. Yeah, if your alternative is, it used to be cheaper, I want it to be cheaper, again, yeah, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. If you look at the alternatives, yeah, it's not bad. Like, it's not right. worse. No. And so I think that framing is, that's the bad take you're talking about, right? It just doesn't, that's not how I would conceptualize the problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as we work to wrap up BubbleCon, generally, I'm sad that you weren't there because it would have been yeah, good too. team building and community Big building. Summer. It was it was really a special thing. Shout out to all the community members that were there. It was a really special thing. We went to Korean barbecue the first time. We brought 30 people. Like it was just, it was like that, right? So really special thing. Generally though, my confidence is feeling so much better from where it was. As yeah. someone that spends their career in bubble and no code at large, I feel much better about investing in this, this space, right? I feel better about directing our clients to invest in this space everything i feel better about this space because i know no code is going up but bubble is not slowing down They they have goals to do and a huge team and a lot of money and they don't need a raise like they are in the driver's seat right now right to make it happen and they're gonna they're gonna make it happen they might be a little late but i think what they're gonna come with is gonna be so good that even if you flip-flop you're gonna go going back anyways mm -hmm. right so yeah. i feel really good about that i'm glad that they brought this together i'm glad that we got to meet so many of their team members, their engineers, their founders, other community members, agencies, et cetera. It was a really good time. Yeah. Did you hear from the community leads at all? Are they planning any community events in the meantime or just once a year? Yeah. So I, I spoke to JV, who is the new head of community, director of community. Her main responsibility, she started four months ago, was to set up BubbleCon. After oh, yeah. that, then it's like, okay, now let's really continue to build this thing, right? So I do think that there's a lot of headwinds right now going into more community events, more community things. I think the founders have firsthand seen and felt how much this means. And I think that's going to yeah. be a huge thing in the decision-making process. I think they, they have very ambitious goals. Yes, they have a 150-person team, but Josh is like, we could easily have an engineering team that's 10x the size. You know, so like... Yeah because of all that they're doing, they still feel kind of small to themselves internally and they want to grow that significantly more. 
but they acknowledge that growing so fast has also slowed them down because it takes yeah. a while to get someone up speed on their code. And so I think they're ahead of some of the other problems that the newer players will have to go through, which is they still have small teams. They still need to raise money in hard conditions. Yeah. They need to attract tons of users. They need to figure out a lot of these things that Bubble's kind of already figured out. And so while they're all, all right here right now, I think they will go down here while Bubble might just be, you know, and yeah. so it's going to be interesting. But long story short, it's a really promising time to be in the no-code industry, whether you're a business, an agency owner, a plugin creator, a developer, a freelancer, whatever. No-code is where it's at. It feels great. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. As we work to finish up this episode, we wanted to give a couple shout outs. Kieran from NoCo Life is launched a new initiative called BizDevs. It is a listing for bubble creators that want to showcase their skills in a freelance manner. It's open to beta, but hit them up, Kieran at, at NoCode Life on Twitter for a beta invite. I am also leading a program in Rochester where I had my city fund a grant for me to teach 75 people locally no code. It's a six month program. And I am super excited about it. I'm teaching Framer, Zapier, Airtable, and Bubble, and like a few others over like a six month program. And it, this is like my city recognizing these skills and then acknowledging that these skills are, you know, a leading talent to like upskilling the local workforce, mm -hmm. to helping people in all industries, sales, marketing, operations, growth, et cetera, to learn more skills, to be more uh, productive at their jobs, right? So I'm working with a program locally, it's like a startup program that was able to get the grant. And then I have designed the program. I will be putting on the program that starts in January. And we just started the informational sessions, all that kind of stuff. You're going to be taking on 75 people and teaching them no code. Is that um, just for people who live in Rochester or should people be flying in around the world? <laughs> Unfortunately, this is just for people living in Rochester and the city has funded it completely. So those people in Rochester get it for free, which is just incredible. Yeah. So Generally, I'm just really excited to be spreading no code like this. I hope that we can continue this model and bring no code to more cities and universities. But I think that's all I got for this week in no code. How about Very you, Dave? Yeah, not much else was final days of wedding planning. So that was that's over. And now honeymoon coming up soon. So excellent. Yeah, not much else happened. Uh, excellent. Well, we just finished up one project on the studio side. We have yep. two more that we're starting really excited with how everything's going over at Studio No Code. If we could be of service to you in any way, please let us know. Go to studionocode.com. We would love to get on a call to talk about how we can bring your MVPs, your ideas to life. But otherwise, that's this week in No Code. And we'll see you next week in No Code. In no Code. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys.